people really just enjoyed using the product. It, it wasn't perfect, of course, as with any early stage company, but we were fortunate enough to get a lot of referrals. And so we scaled out the initial customer base to um, you know, a low seven-figure run rate from just referrals. Uh, and that was all before raising our initial capital. Welcome to the VectorShift podcast. VectorShift is an AI automations platform. On this podcast, we have conversations with founders and experts in fields such as AI and B2B SaaS. Just for our listeners, we'll have to give a brief background on Bredin. So Bredin is the CEO and founder of Mercor. Mercor is an AI-powered platform that sources vets and pays your employees. Just as a side note, you know, we're personally at VectorShift very happy customers with Mercor. And Mercor has really been our partners for our hiring you know, especially for our contractors and even our full-time employees. And they've delivered some, you know, really great engineers, A-plus talent into our team. And we really see them as, you know, partners as we grow as well. You know, today on this podcast, um, we're going to be talking about mainly three things. You know, one is Bredin and Mercor's, you know, founding story. Second, we're going to talk a little bit about their product and what is really differentiated about that. And, you know, we'll talk about why we use it, you know, as well in that section. And finally, we'll talk a little bit about go-to-market and some, hear some of Brendan's final thoughts on the startup ecosystem. So I'm going to kick things off, Brendan, and can you talk a little bit about your background and you know how you got to being the founder of Mercor today? Absolutely. Well, I first of all want to say I appreciate the, the glowing review, and I'm so appreciative of uh, your having us on the podcast. So um, the sentiment is, is certainly both, both ways. To give some context on Mercor's founding story, my co-founders, Adarsh Surya, and I have known each other for a, a long time. We went to high school together, and we were always building various forms of companies in, in one form or another, uh, launching all sorts of web apps, one of which we, we scaled to six-figure revenue in high school. So I never really wanted to go to college in the first place. Uh, but the thing that was always hardest about building companies, and also most important, was scaling out the team and hiring the right people to, to solve the problem. And we became very obsessed with this idea of the inefficiencies around doing this and how outdated this process is around the most important part of building a company. And so we launched Mercore with the goal of making that process a hundred times better, streamlining the way that people hire, the way that people review candidates and surfacing them, the best candidates from all around the world. Absolutely. I mean, as early as we start off ourselves, you know, hiring is actually my number one priority and f- figuring out the right talent, you know, uh, is always on my mind. I guess, I mean, you talk a little bit about kind of the, the vision of, of Mercor, but, you know, could you tell a little bit more specific about what you have found that is broken in hiring and, you know, what is your long-term goal of how you're going to fix that? Absolutely. So the way that hiring works for the most part right now is the services business that's bound by people. It comes in a variety of forms. It can be recruiters that people pay these obscene recruiting fees to, or it can be staffing agencies that might take a percentage of salary. And these businesses charge incredibly high margins and are incredibly hard to scale because they're services businesses that are bound by people. Um, And our plan and and product automates all of these traditionally human processes to create infrastructure that's not only far better, but has 
much, much more exciting scalability uh, and truly the capability to vet everyone on Earth. So we've onboarded, you know, hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Uh, also are building out a talent cloud where we added over a million people uh, just this week, evaluating uh, GitHub profiles and all sorts of data with everyone online, really driven with AI, evaluating each characteristic of every person from the ground up. I'm sorry. I'm curious, you know, there's a lot of other, I guess, startups, you know, building in the HR tech recruiting space. How would yeah. you, you know, describe, you know, how Mercore is different? You know, how, what is the unique insight in the platform? Totally. I, I think there's a lot of startups building in this space. And that's exactly the problem. It's that we have one tool, LinkedIn, for sourcing candidates and filtering by what company they might have worked at or how many years of experience they have. We have another uh, platform, whether it be, you know, Apollo or Zoom Info to populate uh, data on, on those individuals or, or was there whatever. And then we have outbound campaigns uh, and, and software to manage all of that, all the way to the ATS system that we're plugging this person into, Calendly for scheduling the meetings, and then a very significant manual process to really go through all of the candidates on top of that. And one of our very unique uh, opinions is similar to Rippling in that we believe what users want is a compound startup. They don't want to use 10 tools. They want one tool that solves the entire problem for them. So Albert, when you go on to the Mercore dashboard, you're able to describe that you want a software engineer uh, within a certain budget that might have experience building the kinds of integrations that you guys need built out for vector shift. And those profiles are surfaced instantly for you pulling on all of the data that was collected in their AI interviews and their AI evaluation of, of GitHubs and their resumes and all of that. So, uh, and that's kind of why we, you know, found it really intuitive, you know, to use Mercore's kind of the one-stop shop where we can find pay and, you know, immediately try and, and you know, leverage engineers uh, all around the world. So uh, with that perceived vision, Dan, that's kind of why we're really early supporters and kind of love the product that you've built. I guess we're diving more into the product. Could you walk through, you know, the experience that, you know, you want to create both from the applicant side and also from, you know, the user side, you know, someone who's looking to hire, totally. uh, you know, and what you want that to be. Totally. I'll start with the applicant side because that's our bread and butter. And, and that's one thing that makes us incredibly unique compared to other companies that are in the space. And that all the other companies start with the, with the company and the hiring side. But our belief is that really getting the best candidates, getting the best data on those candidates and, and understanding uh, you know, who has the vice price performance is the number one thing that we need to get right in the business. So the applicant uh, UX is designed very simply as, uh, as well as elegantly, where the applicant can upload their resume, get that resume parsed by a multimodal language model evaluated uh, by uh, a prompt engineered version of GPT-4. And then they can go to the interviews page where they can select their skills, their preferred role, and then they can click to schedule an interview. And our AI interviewer, John Sharma, will send them an interview invite, uh, which is just like a Calendly where they can set up time. And John Sharma will join the interview at this time and have a conversation with them, asking them about the specific work experiences that they might have on their resume, about the system architecture of their GitHub repositories, uh, and about you know why they chose to do certain styling on their personal website, having full context of that individual and conducting a beautiful interview. 
Right now, we only do one interview layer, but as you can imagine, as we scale out the infrastructure, we'll likely be doing, uh, call it a dozen interviews on each candidate to really figure out who's best for a given role. Uh, and this AI interview is is far better in a lot of cases than a human interview because it's able to do so much pre-processing and have so much context on the individual. And then the final step after the interview is that we ask them to fill out details on their availability uh, and the amount of money that they're looking to make. So that Albert, when you're hiring, you can, you know, not have to figure out if if these like 100 candidates are all like busy and unavailable uh, when you're hiring, but rather that like all of these candidates are within your budget uh, and are ready to start uh, with you guys so that you can hit the ground running. That gives uh, sort of the the, comp- the worker side of the platform. And I know that was a lot. So happy to clarify questions and then also give a description of what the company side looks like. No, absolutely. Um I guess, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about the vetting process as a follow-up, and then we'll, we'll head over yeah. to the uh, the hiring side. You know, what I found amazing is because we were we were looking for an engineer, and you guys really found a rock star every time, you know, when we're looking for one. Can you talk a little bit about, I don't know, there's a secret sauce, or uh, how did you leverage AI, or how, how did this process work to really find the right person and be able to differentiate, you know, every, like get the right data in all the interview process, you know, when you created this? It's a great question. And it, it's really hard, especially internationally, because of talent density, where if you're interviewing Stanford AI PhDs, your hit rate's probably pretty good uh, on, on them being excellent because the AI PhD vetting process at Stanford is already r- relatively rigorous. But if you're hiring you know, people who might not have an impressive work experience or education, uh, who live somewhere in a remote part of India, the amount of applicants that you get is so high and and the percentage of those applicants that are truly incredible is so low. And the unfortunate thing that happens is that those people aren't given opportunities and they're neglected by everyone else because they don't have Google or Stanford on their resume. And when you're able to actually build scalable vetting processes that use software, not people, to you know, review all of their resumes, to look at the kinds of open source repositories that they're committing to, and to actually do like thorough in-depth interviews of every candidate, you're able to find the diamonds in the rough, the candidates that no one else is looking at, uh, and really unlock a lot of opportunity on the worker side for people who aren't getting these opportunities, as well as the company side, which you guys have experienced. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're, we're more familiar with the you know, the company side experience, but before yeah. us, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what, I guess, if someone comes to your platform as looking to hire, what they can expect and what the process looks like? Totally. So the company side process, we also want to be incredibly low friction. We're straight from our website. Someone can type in a query and get brought to our company dashboard uh, where they're shown profiles almost instantly. This is a dynamic query where they can describe the nuances of, you know, the work experience or kind of GitHub commits that they're looking for. Uh, and the semantic search is, is currently, you know, a relatively early version, but improving incredibly quickly, doing all sorts of uh, approaches to weight the kind of data that uh, we're doing with all of the embeddings, uh, all the way to doing a bunch of fancy meta labels uh, in helping us improve that search. Uh, and once they see profiles, you can either request an interview of that candidate to have a conversation with them. You can watch the AI interview where we show the recording of what was conducted, or you can even add that person to their te- your team instantly, where we found that some people who are hiring, 
get to the level of confidence where they're willing to add that person to their team for a trial right off the bat. Absolutely. So it seems, I mean, you mentioned before, you're trying to build almost this compound startup, you know, that abstracts away end to end, um, you know, both the application process and interview process and also the hiring process. What would you yeah. say was the most difficult piece of building this uh, startup um, from a product perspective? Uh, yeah, what are the barriers you ran ran into and, and have or are trying to overcome right now? That's it's a really good question, um, and, and it gets to the heart of why people don't build compound startups, which is that it's a lot, right? Like we have AI GitHub evaluation, which could be a startup in and of itself. We have uh, AI parsing of resumes and evaluation of resumes that's super in-depth, which could be a startup in itself. Our AI interviewer, you know, we've gotten a dozen people who've asked us to use this as a standalone SaaS product, and we've had to say no to that so that we can stay focused. All the way to our search and our payment processing infrastructure, um, which could all be startups in and of themselves. So we need to build this very vertically integrated process, which just includes a lot of legwork. One thing that I have to say on this front is a big shout out to our India team, where the reason we've been able to accomplish a lot of this as an early stage company is that we've really scaled out a lot of the ground forces in India uh, and are setting up a Bangalore office shortly. And that's allowed us to you know, find the cost structure that we're looking for and, and, and the efficiency to really have a hard driving culture that can execute on such an ambitious vision. I'm sorry. Let's go more to the go-to-market side of things. I mean, we'll have to hear about, maybe we can just talk about how did you get your first customer and, yeah. you know, how you, how has that scaled, you know, since, since you kind of, you got the first customer, how have you kind of built the momentum that you have? Great question. Um, well, we started the business, as I mentioned, for ourselves in that we loved building startups and, and didn't want to go to college. We were much more interested in, in building startups. And so... We naturally sold to a lot of people that were just like us, early stage founders that might have been working on a project at the time and, and couldn't afford an expensive engineer. So they wanted to hire someone remotely at a far different cost structure. And people um, really just enjoyed using the product. It, it wasn't perfect, uh, of course, as with any early stage company. But we were fortunate enough to get a lot of referrals. And so we scaled out the initial customer base to, um, you know, a low seven figure run rate from just referrals. Uh, and that was all before raising our initial capital. And so uh, we wanted to ride off that as long as we can. And then now we're beginning to, you know, think about our go to market push as we start going up market and, and inter into enterprises where um, the go to market looks very different. I'm sorry. I guess, um, you know, referrals is the, the golden goose that all founders want, you know, so yeah. how, how do you think you've, you guys have cracked that at, at Mercor? It's a great question. I think it needs to be product led. People need to have a very acute problem that you're so trying to solve. Uh, and the solution does not need to be perfect because no startup at an early stage is perfect, but if the problem is acute and you're, you know, working your butt off to really create a meaningful difference for the founder. Founders appreciate that uh, and they want to help you along the way. They want to refer you to their friends. Um, and it, it just grew from there. There's also a bunch of creative strategies in sourcing referrals. Like you can ask people questions to get referrals in a, a very unique way. An example of this is 
instead of asking someone, hey, do you have any friends that might be good Mercor customers? You can ask them, hey, do you have any friends that are hiring? Or do you have any friends that might have just raised a funding round? Right. Because then people's uh, wheels get spinning on that front uh, much more so. Um, that's the first thing I'll say. And then the second thing I'll say is that being a part of communities is really impactful. We were a part of this community, uh, Prod, in, which started in Boston, and uh, Albert's sort, sort of a part of as well, which was able to you know, put us in touch with a lot of early stage founders and, and help us out in a huge way. And we're super grateful for that community. But people can find you know, similar things through the Y Combinator network and all sorts of other accelerators around the world. Absolutely. That's, that's how we got introduced you know, to Mercor yeah. initially as well through Prod. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the, the go to market, you know, initially go to market. I know you were you were mentioning to me it was initially services led, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at least in the delivery and, and kind of uh, uh, of, of the, the Mercor service. How do you? Why do you think that is differentiating, and what what has been the unique advantage of that? Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting point, which is that I think many startups are too product focused at the beginning. They are obsessed with having all of the software built out to truly solve the problem, which is where the company dies because it's not able to get the user feedback early enough and it's not able to get the traction necessary to really take it to the next level on a hiring front, uh, on a fundraising front, on a, on a go-to-market front. And so we started doing a lot of these processes manually uh, and with AI tools to sort of help automate that stuff, you know, where it was myself and my co-founder Surya manually reviewing a bunch of resumes and, and, re- and doing a bunch of interviews. And then we started out with, you know, AI tools to help us shortlist resumes by looking for certain features. Like we were able to find correlations that people who'd studied abroad in Western countries uh, were far more likely to um, enjoy working with and and work well alongside U.S. companies. And we're able to find these correlations, use all of these tools to help our manual process. And this allowed us to scale revenue very quickly early on uh, and eventually translate that into automating all of the things that we knew that customers wanted uh, and really step on the gas with creating an incredible product experience. Absolutely. Amazing. How is... Um... Mercor's, you know, in 2024, as we, you know, kick off the next year, you know, you mentioned you're trying to scale, you know, the go-to-market um, more so, you know, to compound on the on the referrals that you've received. Do you have any inkling on what that would look like? Yeah, totally. So there's broadly two channels that we're very interested in at a high level. The first channel is early stage uh, and content-driven because that's where we started. That's where we've certainly found product market fit. Uh, and, and where we feel confident in creating a lot of value, especially as everything becomes fully productized and, and flushed out. Uh, so that uh, involves a lot of creative strategies we've talked about, like using GPT to write thousands of blog posts that might be pertinent to whatever kind of skill someone is hiring for, whether it be you know, a blog post on how to hire GIS engineers internationally. And we have custom AI interviews that have been conducted on thousands of, of GIS engineers. Uh, and then the second channel that we're very interested in, where I'll likely be spending a significant amount of my time, is going up market in a, in a variety of ways. Uh, most specifically, we're interested in companies that are hiring high volumes of talent uh, and contractors. 
An example might be that Salesforce has thousands of Salesforce integrations engineers, and we're able to vet and onboard 10,000 Salesforce integration engineers faster than anyone else because we have software-based processes to, to do this end-to-end. Uh, and those upmarket contracts are very exciting because you know each, each one of them could potentially be eight-figure annual deals off the bat and, and really accelerate our growth. Absolutely. Amazing. Well, um, this is super, super interesting and uh, it's great having you today. You know, we have, we really ask everyone, you know, one final question at the end of each of these sure. interviews. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a big debate in Silicon Valley about how important your idea is, you know, your strategy uh, of how, what you're trying to build longer term versus how important your actual execution is on a day to day. We talk a lot about your, you know, where you're trying to push to long-term and uh, today. And I'm curious, you know, what is your view on this debate? You know, what is more important, your vision or strategy or your actual execution? Yeah, it's very, it's very fascinating. The quote that's always jumped out to me on this topic is that ideas are a multiplier on execution. And it really gets at this notion that one can't exist without the other. You need to be aimed in the right direction and you also need to execute uh, but I, I think I'm certainly more in the camp that execution is underrated, uh, and you need to you need to you know really work hard to to get anywhere uh, in life, uh, let alone in the challenging task of of building a legendary company. Absolutely, thank you for your insight today, uh, and thank you so much for your time, Brendan. Appreciate it. Of course, Albert. Thanks so much for having me, and hopefully we can do this another time as well. All right, thank you.